A couple of weeks ago, I opened up my cupboard looking for something delicious. What I was looking for wasn't delicious by itself, but when mixed with the rest of the ingredients I had on my mental ingredient list, this specific item would cause multitudes of people to literally salivate. The cabinet was dark and deep, so I had to reach all the way to the back of the unit. But eventually, I found what I was looking for. The can was bigger than average, and when I pulled it out, I knew I'd struck gold. White gold. White, creamy, thick gold. The kind of gold that goes perfectly with your favorite batch of Thai curry. Whether you like the traditional flavors, red, green, or yellow, or the more exotic blends, like Penang, Duck, or Masaman, this pure white, pureed picture of perfection is exactly what you need to make that curry just right. I poured the creamy goodness into my pressure cooker and added everything I needed, and then enjoyed one of the most amazing meals I'd had that month. The smell was divine. The flavor sent my taste buds into a tailspin. I ate way more than I should have, but the best part of it all was that I didn't care I was in heaven. Unfortunately, there's a dark secret behind my heavenly meal. It's something disturbing, and it all goes back to that coconut cream I've been keeping in my cupboard. It turns out, if you have something made from coconut and that coconut comes from Thailand, you're unwittingly participating in enabling something you might find unsettling. Something so unsettling, you may never eat coconut again. Welcome to Reason to Panic, the only podcast out there for the worried mind. We give you a new reason to panic each week, so you never have to worry about running out of reasons to panic. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm hungry. Oh boy, what are we in for now? <laughs> uh, well, it's not a cooking lesson. But uh, I would like to welcome welcome you listeners to the show today. We've got Tyler Mason. How are you, Tyler? I am hungry. Randall, thank you very much for that. <laughs> I'm hungry too. You know, maybe <laughs> you're, you're my neighbor today, so we could probably have dinner later tonight. We should. I think we should have curry. I'm actually out of coconut milk. <laughs> I, I, we're not. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. And then we also got Eli Bowman. How are you doing, Eli? I'm well. I'm also hungry, but I'm also a little trepidatious now. <laughs> well, this story broke uh, in October. It's a, it's a, well, it's making its rounds. I wouldn't call it a big story. It's big enough that uh, a couple of uh, sites like um, the LA Times and I didn't see it in the New York Times, so it's not that big. But Tyler was joking about this earlier. But boingboing.net or whatever it's called, there's there's some articles about this. Uh, this potential ring of monkey enslavement where monkeys are forced against their will in Thailand to go and pick uh, coconuts from trees and supply the local coconut cream and coconut milk suppliers to send their stuff all over the country. Are they getting paid? Well, I guess it depends on what that <laughs> means for the monkey. They get room and board and food. Um, hmm. But <laughs> I guess their treatment's not all that good. Well, against their will, of... you said it's against their will, and I was reading through the um, the material, and it does indicate that. Um, now, Randall, I know you're an attorney. How 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 do you approach this from a legal perspective? You know, how do you approach this concept that a, a company is 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 basically forcing monkeys to to labor? How do how do you begin to investigate that 
as a crime? Well, you have to you have to look at the rules for uh, humane treatment of animals on a on a worldwide scale. So you'd have to go over to Thailand, and maybe there's like an international convention, like the Hague Convention for uh, child exploitation and kidnapping for animals. And um, as far as I know, there's not like a nationally accepted thing or set of regulations for the humane treatment of animals, other than you're not allowed to just you know kill them and um, subject well, them to thing. bad conditions right so there's there's regular standards that people have to follow so you'd go sure. and look at those and uh then you'd send people undercover with cameras to these places and, and see if they could figure stuff out i wonder where the line is drawn i mean i i can definitely see um you know inhumane trait treatment of animals being being an issue um but like i, I wonder i'm a little concerned about how nebulous the line is because it, i mean i i've had pets throughout my life um, it's been a few years since we've had one. We, we we travel, you know, more often now. Having a pet's not for us. It's not a. We have five kids. They're they're. That's pretty much. Those are our pets. Um, hmm. but, but they are litter box trained, by they, the way. <laughs> they, that's right. So so at what point is having a pet or does having a pet do something become become inhumane treatment? You know, is getting a dog formally trained is that inhumane? I mean, is the is the dog willfully consenting to being trained, or is that actually an act of force that's being imposed on the dog? Do, do you see what I'm trying to get at here? At, at what point does the treatment of animals become inhumane versus just you know versus acceptable? This is where it is that I start to struggle with this topic. For that very point, Eli, when you're talking about a monkey picking coconuts against its will, right? That that assumes that we know what a monkey wants right if, if we look at at PETA who's the one that, that brought this thing to light from from what it is that that I'm gathering if we look at their track record basically unless an animal is left in the wild untouched by humans in any capacity shape form by direct contact or uh, what would that be like I, I'm motoring my boat around the the lake and the fish at the other side of it is impacted by it right mm -hmm. so it's it's uh, i'm trying to think what the, the right term for that would be well like, yeah it, it is worth noting that PETA is very litigious they, they, they'll take anyone to court really if it even just if it smells like uh there's some something wrong that that's it exactly and so it's like i don't know what it is that they necessarily want in regards to animal rights mm. You know, it, it makes it, 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 I think that's the question that has to be asked with something like this is it's like, wh where are we overstepping our bounds in, in saying that, you know, these, these animals have these particular desires or I don't know, they're, they're animals. They, they lack the upper brain function capacity that, that we do. I don't think that, that, you know, like you said with the dog, I don't think it cares that it's being trained. It just cares sure. that it's being rewarded for being trained. That is, that is something that's noteworthy. And then Randall, maybe maybe you are going to touch on this, but how do you how do you determine consent uh, from an animal? Uh, a, a monkey is, I mean, admittedly, a monkey monkeys appear to be more. I don't want to say more sentient. They're all sentient. Uh, all of our pets, you know, pet pet and pet type animals are, but we we know that monkeys are closer to humans in intellect. So how do we how do we establish consent? Well. I think it starts, and maybe I can like go through the timeline for what PETA is accusing these guys of actually doing. And it starts with where they are, the monkeys are, when all of this begins. So the monkeys are in the wild, and they're living, and they're captured, and put 
into these environments where they're trained to uh, fetch coconuts, essentially. And so the first question is, is it okay to take animals from the wild like this and put them in a situation, you know, to essentially work from you? Um, I know at some point in the history of the world, this had to happen because we have domesticated right. dogs, but they right. started with wolves and there was wild horses with Mustangs and, and things like that all over the world. Uh, you know, at some point the line had to be drawn. Um, and so that those, those animals were no longer put into captivity, but that's the first thing is that the, the whole premise for them saying this is against their will is that they were pulled in out of their natural environment into this artificial one. And then there's the whole process after that. So, I mean, as far as determining consent, I mean, we've got a few heart throbbing videos that they've put on where monkeys are tied to, tied to a piece of concrete or, or a stick, essentially like, like your dog that you don't want biting your, or barking at your neighbor. Like it's, it's very sure. similar, but they're in these small places and you know they're trained to get coconuts and they're they're sometimes they're kept in small kennel like situations which honestly okay. isn't nearly as bad as battery chickens and, right. and their tight enclosures and sometimes like the monkeys themselves they have to if they're aggressive or whatever the the keepers actually remove their canine teeth so that they can't you know they're not oh they, yeah it, it doesn't hurt as much so it's like declawing a cat right so so, so maybe there's a for for peta for maybe it matters to them that they're taken from the wild and brought into captivity. And I wonder if it would be different if these monkeys were bred in captivity. Does that all of a sudden make it, or all of a sudden make it okay? Does that, does that well, I think a lot change of juice... the classification in the eyes of PETA? Well, no, they'll never be happy with it, but I think it changes their argument right. significantly. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if we look, right, you've got PETA that's, that's frustrated for, uh, testing on on animals for shampoos and different things like that, right? They'd use rabbits and mice, and and those were bred in captivity for the sole purpose of testing. Now, I'm not advocating animal testing, but they were bred for a specific purpose, and 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 Peter took issue with that. So, like Randall said, I don't think that uh, there's really any way that Peter would be satisfied with this. But I was. Um, in my research, so the, the the particular company we're talking about is I should have practiced this before. It's Chowco. No, uh, there's Chow, Chowco, but it's right. It's it's the the Padung Porn Coconut Co. Um, and I just said well, that good awful. job, Tyler. But uh, you know, so so one of their spokespeople or spokespersons, one of their spokespersons put out that a lot of the images and the videos that you're seeing are actually old. And they're just now circulating or recirculating and their, their, their monkeys are no longer treated in that fashion. Now, whether they are or they aren't, I'm not sure. And that goes back to what Randall said, where you need to send somebody in to do some investigative journalism, uh, you know, to, to see for themselves. But uh, again, the, uh, we're, we're going to go with uh, uh, Chaoka because that's just easier to say. Um, <laughs> they brought in a third party to go and randomly select of their 817 farms, they randomly selected 64 and the findings from this third party organization that came in found no evidence of monkey labor at all uh, on the plantations. So I don't know, to, to me, it's all just speculative as to what's actually going on, which sounds fitting for 2020. Hmm. 2020 is going to 2020 that we know. <laughs> well, and, and they, PETA lists a bunch of uh, what they call humane alternatives. Like, oh, what did they say? They say in Brazil, Colombia, and Hawaii, they harvest coconuts using methods such as tractor mounted hydraulic elevators, 
human willing huge uh, human tree climbers roper platform systems or ladders or they plant dwarf coconut trees so i mean it's all a little hypocritical because i know that those tractor mounted hydraulic elevators are killing tons of rodents while they're out there human tree climbers um are <laughs> facing more abuse than the monkeys themselves when they're it's up also there doing those things it's yeah and it's also a super deadly uh vocation i was yeah. gonna say osha would take issue with that uh-huh yeah let's let's put willing tree climbers up there but save the monkeys like it doesn't make a ton of sense to me or they they they, they say you can have a system you know a rope system which is great have you seen those they call them this is awful they call them monkey bridges but it's the rope system that goes across the bridge it's got three ropes the two above and the one below and they're kind yeah. of you have to slowly walk across like that's yeah. a rope system how is that I don't know. It just seems kind of hypocritical. Or they plant dwarf coconut trees, which is essentially taking a foreign plant that could be an invasive species and planting it in a new place just because it's short. And you could end up destroying the ecosystem in that area with these new trees. Like there's all kinds of things that they're not even considering when they're when they're going into this. Yeah, and that's only like that's only where I start getting upset at all this. Uh, all right, go ahead, Eli. No, no, well, no, no. You're right. So, so Peta, Peta sees the their whole thing is to bring. You know, to put animals and humans essentially on the same level, and this is why PETA is so uh, aggressive in in you know when they litigate that they come after everyone because they want to set a precedent that animals should not be treated any differently than humans. Um, and so, knowing that, taking that into consideration, it's hard to explain. Like like in. In that vein, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Well, and and well, honestly, when when PETA gets going, like they really get going. So they stood in front. Well, first off, their goal is to get all Thai coconut brands out of all American stores and stores all over the world. And they've done a good job. Like they just convinced Costco, which bulk sells this stuff from Chokao or Chowco, to actually stop stocking it. So this this business is essentially losing a huge share of their market and their income just because um, some bleeding hearts in PETA have some really old footage of bad, poorly treated monkeys. Um, they essentially knocked um, all of this company's, a, whole, a huge portion of their income off when they got it out of Costco because Costco sells this stuff in bulk. And they don't have proof other than some bleeding heart old images that we don't even know are are happening right now. Like it's all been disputed. And to top it off, they're dropping coconuts in front of places like Coke, Kroger and dressing up in monkey costumes, which is inappropriate oh, wow. appropriation of the monkey weight of the monkeys themselves. Anyways, like they're taking cultural appropriation mm. of these poor monkeys and they're using that to try and, and get people to stop doing stuff that they don't need. They can't even confirm it's bad or that it's actually happening. It's just annoying and it just frustrates me. And so honestly, my my reason for panicking is less about these monkeys, which I hope they get treated humanely. Um, as far as monkeys deserve to be treated, but it's really PETA is the reason to panic. Like they can shut an entire company. They can, they can turn a company off just by making a, a complaint and, and doing something that's, that's like right. this. And that's right. They, they could they use can. 20 year old footage doctored up and make it so that people can't do anything anymore. And honestly, that's, that's why I'm frustrated. <laughs> I want my coconut milk. <laughs> they, this is this is common for them. They they they've often wore they've often have gone to um, red carpet events and they've worn faux fur, so it's not real fur. But then they they put they put blood on their faux fur and then they all go and protest like the Oscars or the Grammys because uh, a lot of the ladies wear furs on the red carpet. Um, 
and that always gets headlines. Um, but you're absolutely right, Randall. I think that, that any any um, extreme sort of zealous organization that stands for anything, if they have enough people, they can make anyone's life, you know, a living hell just by if they really want to mobilize the forces and circle the wagons. Um, they can they can put anyone out of business if they if they really want to. And that's that is a little bit scary. And and it's not always based in truth. No, it's not. This is what always drives me nuts, though, with with PETA and, and not just them, but organizations like them, where it's let's take one particular thing, blow it way out of proportion, way out of context. We're going to incite a mob and then we're just going to ruin things. We're going to ruin people's lives. We're going to ruin businesses. We're going to ruin industries. We're going to. And nobody ever really seems to know exactly why, other than there's just a lot of excitement. And they just want to be a part of a lot of excitement. And uh, <laughs> I'm with you, Randall. Uh, it's 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 frustrating uh, just to, to see what it is that can happen when um, you just get a, a bunch of people together that they just want to be angry about something. And so let's pick animal rights as a thing to be angry about when you know, we don't even know. Is it accurate? Is it true? Is it? realistic who knows and here's here's the slippery slope and we 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 saw this happen this type of similar thing happen in the the hashtag me too movement um now obviously this this movement started out as something really excellent something very um uh that that helped battered women and and true victims of of violence uh, but but the movement turned into a bit of a fad, and we saw as the movement gained steam, lots of false allegations that were levied against men um, that actually backfired on the movement, and the movement kind of died off because there was there were so many false accusations that the movement sort of lost steam because people were like, oh gosh, we can't just believe every single woman now. And those men's lives were effectively ruined. Um, the, the ones that were innocent, well, they, they all were the ones that were guilty. Maybe they had it coming. They, they certainly had it coming, but, but, but for those who, who were innocent, that, that ruined their lives. Um, and, and PETA sort of flirting with this exact same thing. And then they've been known to do this. Uh, they, they, they have a cause that they want to stand for. And I don't begrudge them that, uh, but using old foot, you know, make sure you know what you're doing and make sure that the evidence is there before you destroy someone's life. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. And why don't the, I mean, we should. Why don't and they maybe destroying a life isn't even the right thing to do? I mean, take them to court. Uh, yeah, for sure. Give them a chance to fix it. Even better. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, <laughs> let's start with uh, with Eli. What are you going to what are you going to rate this, Eli? On a scale from zero to ten, the panic scale. Um, as far as the monkeys go, I'm not worried about the monkeys. Frankly, I, I want them to be treated humanely, of course. Uh, but I, I feel like this is uh, not a tight case for PETA. I feel like the old video combined with their history and their past. Um, I'm more afraid of PETA, Randall, like you said, than I am of the monkeys being mistreated. Um, but keeping it on topic for the monkeys, to me, it's just a point five, maybe a point six. Uh, I want them to be treated humanely, but I'm not panicking about this. I'm much more afraid of PETA. Yeah. How about you, Tyler? I'm going to have to agree with Eli. For the the subject material we talked about today, 
make sure the monkeys are happy. Uh, you know, a point, yeah, a point five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna match Eli with that. You know, about about a half of a point of a reason to panic. Um, I am far more concerned, not just with PETA in general, but but just with the 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 mass uh, aptitude for taking things out of context, blowing them out of proportion, and the ramifications that has for people, for businesses, for societies in general. That for me is a legitimate reason to panic. I'd have to score that a lot higher, but I'm not going to give it a number because that wasn't our subject today. I'm going to have to agree. I don't see any reason to panic about this. I see this more as something that needs to be brought to the attention of the right people. And if these monkeys are getting mistreated, take care of it. Pay them fair wages, give them more bananas, make their leashes longer, whatever you need to do. But uh, as far as what the most recent evidence shows, this has been addressed and it's not something where we need to cripple a little tiny company, well, a company, a coconut company that's just, you know, trying to, to do what everybody else does that runs a small business. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this installment. Be sure if you like the episode to leave us a comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to these podcasts. And we will see you next week with another reason to panic.